There's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow Shining at the end of every day You're not a penguin, you're a chicken. I told you chickens to stay on the other side of the road. Okay, why did this chicken cross the road? Ah, that's funny. Hey, penguins, I got a joke. W. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 235 for the week of August 14th, 2011. I'll open up the inbox to answer more of your Walt Disney World questions this week. Topics include everything from getting from Walt Disney World to the Disney Cruise Line via the Disney Bus Service, other names some famous Disney characters are known by around the world, fantasy land construction timeline, an interesting question that I'll ask you to weigh in on, Disney wedding music, Phineas and Ferb in the parks, dining on specialty cruises, jelly rolls, and much more. I'll have a couple of announcements before playing some of your voicemails at the end of the show, so sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. I love being able to share information about Walt Disney with you on the show and help you plan your next vacation and experience the parks in new ways and enhance that experience while you're there. And I enjoy being able to meet listeners at the meets of the month and other events and hear from you directly on voicemail, etc. But even better, uh, when the conversation can become two ways and I can help answer your individual questions that's even better and something I really enjoy. And speaking of someone that can both offer and need some help of her own, I want to welcome back Becky Mankin from MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. <laughs> wow. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. It's so great to be here again. It's funny I'm, because it's true. <laughs> so. I'm honored. In, in some strange way, I'm honored. Okay, get to this, would you? I will because Becky, again... Uh, I love so hearing from listeners, and we've got so many great questions uh, to get to in the inbox. So let's jump right into it and get the first question from Craig, who is taking us outside Walt Disney World just a little bit, because he has a question regarding Disney Cruise Line bus transportation. His fiance and he are having a Disney fairy tale wedding, and they're going to be nice. staying at the boardwalk for five nights following that wedding. For the sixth night, get this. They're going to be staying concierge level at the Grand Floridian. And the following morning, you're going to be headed over to Port Canaveral for a seven-night Western Caribbean Disney cruise. Craig, you and your fiancé, off to a great start. Just saying. <laughs> My question is this. We would really like to take the Disney Cruise Line bus transportation to the port and back. But to do so, we would have to leave our car behind. 
We've been told by Disney that we cannot do this because if we do, our car will be towed. We've heard from many people that the bus ride over to the port is fun and an exciting way to get geared up for the cruise. We really want to be able to sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride without having to drive. Is there any way we could leave our car at the Grand Floridian without having to worry about it being towed? Is it possible that the Grand Floridian can issue a parking pass that's valid for the whole week since we're going on a Disney cruise? Any thoughts you have on this would be greatly appreciated. Thanks for your help, Craig. Mm, good news and bad news. Give them the bad news first. Start with the yeah, bad I'm gonna, news. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Um, technically, you're only allowed to park at the resort for the nights you stay at the resort. That's the bad news. The good news, there are other options I think we can come up with here. First of all, they didn't say if it was their personal car or a rental car. Now, if it's a rental car, what you might consider doing is driving to the airport, returning the car at the airport, and then taking the DCL bus transfers to the port from the airport. That's an option. But even if it's your personal car, you could still do that and, and park in long, long-term parking at the airport and catch the, the Disney cruise line transfer bus so you can still have that enjoyment that they do on the buses which of course are um, they show cartoons they do a pre-arrival movie that kind of lets you know what to expect when you get there Um, then on the opposite side you can always just go ahead and drive to the port if you really want to be concerned about where your car is if you drive out to the port you can park it there and you can arrive when you want well of course before the ship (laughs) Depart so is probably a good idea, but you can arrive, you can depart as soon as you get off the ship because your your car will be there. So there's a, a lot of different options here. Yeah, and I've done both. I've taken the bus transportation. I, I've driven out there. It's a very easy drive. Mm-hmm. Um, there is something really cool as you approach the port and seeing the ship in the distance and getting excited, whether you're in your car or on the bus. You know, being there with other people and hearing everybody's excitement and watching the video is very cool. There's nothing to worry about. It's just uh, getting off the bus and making your way onto uh, onto the ship after getting through the port. You did make a point about the rental car, and I had a similar but somewhat different thought, which was if you rent a car from Alamo, you can actually return that car on property. You can return right. it uh, on World Drive by the Hess Station, close to the Magic Kingdom. You can also return your car at the Swan or Dolphin because there is a rental car agency there as well. So if it is a rental car, that is one of your options if you go with uh, Alamo only. They are the only one who's on property. Um, Otherwise, as far as driving, yeah, I mean, you you don't want to run the risk of leaving your car in a lot somewhere and it getting towed. um, Right. Yeah, I don't think I'd risk it, especially when you're looking at at the the port parking is at this point in time, $15 a day at the airport at 17. And like you said, if it was a rental car and it was returned to Alamo, then you just have to get back to the hotel, obviously, to uh, to catch the transfer. So I don't think it's worth the risk. Yeah. And like I said, you still sort of get that same excitement. Put on a Disney CD and and Mm -hmm. uh, and you, you guys will be good to go. It's not a very long ride out there. It's about an hour or so out to the port, depending on traffic. So, um, and a, st- a simple straight shot across. But they're doing their honeymoon well, that's for sure. No kidding. No kidding. Like I said, off to a good start. Anyway, moving on, Christy Palmerio says, Lou, I was reading over the newest Celebrations magazine, which I picked up at celebrationspress.com, and while reading the article comparing the parks around the world, I was reminded of a question I had for you. This past October, 
my husband and I were lucky enough to get to visit Disneyland Paris. We love Chip and Dale and purchased an ornament with them on it and noticed on the receipt as well as on the box, it referred to Chip and Dale as Tick and Tack. No After, way. Way. <laughs> Sorry. After noticing okay. <laughs> this, we checked throughout the day at different stores and saw that everything that had them on it referred to them this way. I figured there were other characters still named whatever we know them in as English, so figured it wasn't just a translation difference, especially considering how much is in English over there anyway. I tried to do a bit of my own research, couldn't find anything on this, so I was wondering if you could help solve this mystery for us. Thanks. Love the show. Christy. As you could probably tell, I am not the person to answer this question. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Well, it, it's funny, Becky, because there are a number of characters who uh, overseas don't necessarily have the names that we recognize them as. And, and Chippendale specifically are known as Tick and Tack in some locations. In Sweden, they're known as Piff and Pat. Uh, in other countries, there are they are known as different things that I cannot produce. <laughs> Chippen <laughs> und Dalschen Ruben. Uh, I... I I can't even pronounce some of the other ones. Sanjub was Sanjub in Arabic. Um, so, uh, well, wait. It's my question though, really quickly. Then, how can you tell Chippendale apart if they're tick and tack? So, uh, in other locations, <laughs> <laughs> and Becky and Christy and others, Chippendale aren't the only ones that have different names in other countries. So, you would think Mickey Mouse is Mickey Mouse everywhere but he's not and sometimes it's kind of a, a name that's somewhat similar so in iceland he's mickey moose like m-i-k-k-i-m-u-s um in uh, other countries I, i'm going to completely ruin the, the <laughs> pronunciations in japan he's mickey maasu but in italy he's topolino in mexico he's raton mickey uh you're still making this I, up. I am not making these up. I'm just mispronouncing them and, and offending people around the world. So please excuse me. I'll uh, I'll write these translations. I'll write these other names in this week's show notes. But Donald Duck, too. You would think he's Donald Duck here. He's Donald Duck in places like Germany and France. But other places, he's uh, like Indonesia. He's Donald Bebek. And in Portuguese, he's Pato Donald. Um, okay. You sure these aren't just literal translations? Really? I, I, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> but certainly <laughs> I'm things gonna like... I'm going to go spend some time on a translator here really quick. <laughs> certainly Topolino in Italy for Mickey Mouse is very different than just Mickey Mouse. So it's interesting, at, you know, how they're referred to. Huh. Interesting. I so, learned something today. And if you are listening from another country and I have offended you, I am sorry. Or if you have your own translation or your own reference to... Uh, a classic Disney character, email me or comment in this week's show. I'd be very interested to hear exactly what it is and mispronounce that name as well. <laughs> Moving on to a question from Kate Fisher that hopefully does not involve any translation. I got a D in Spanish. Lou, I've enjoyed getting back to, in Italian, I've enjoyed getting back to listening to your show so much. I found it before the last time I went to Walt Disney World in January 2010. I love listening to all the top 10, 15, 20 lists especially. My question concerns the construction that recently began in Fantasyland. My family and I are going to Walt Disney World, and I was wondering if there's a tentative timeline in regards to when construction would be completed. I go to the parks about every other year. I've been looking forward to a huge development like this for a while. I'd be very excited to see even part of the new area during my upcoming trip. 
Do you know if everything's going to be open all at once or if individual attractions and restaurants will be opening upon their completion? And about how long is this process supposed to take? Thanks so much. Keep up the great work. Look forward to the show every week. Again, that's from Kate Fisher. Uh, Kate, again, to use a, a, a Mankinism, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. And the bad <laughs> news is that for something like this, they won't sort of open things as they're completed. So if Be Our Guest Restaurant is finished, they're not going to open that and then eventually open up Maurice's Cottage and then uh, the Little Mermaid attraction. Fantasyland sort of the first phase of it, and we don't know specifically what attractions and restaurants and shows will be part of that, will open in phases. That first phase is set to tentatively open, subject to change without notice, in the spring of 2012. Again, we don't know what that's going to consist of. Becky, basically, by looking at sort of the construction that's going on there now, they are moving very, very quickly. You see the show buildings are up, facades are going up, a lot of the decorative elements are going up. So you would expect areas like the Beast Castle and the associated elements there, the Little Mermaid attraction to open as well as part of that. Things like Storybrooke Circus, um, the Seven Dwarfs Minecart, you know, you don't know. You don't know what those phases are going to be until we start getting closer. Yeah, and this is a huge undertaking. It's not just that they're just doing one attraction. This is a, an entire land, and there's a lot of time and a lot of possible setbacks in there as well. So until then, hopefully they'll hit their spring target, and we get to enjoy some pretty stylish construction walls in the meantime and, and watch some cranes put some stuff together. And like you said, it is coming along. You, you Between the two trips that I was uh, that I took from the first of the year till mid-year, there was a lot of difference and a lot of change. Yeah, I've been, I've been watching the progress very, very closely. And by very closely, I mean, as I'm sitting there eating my teriyaki chicken nuggets in Fantasyland, I'm watching construction go on. <laughs> um, but they are getting this up. I mean, they are working literally around the clock to get this up. And you really start getting a sense uh, of just how big this project is, how far back it is going to go and how it is going to change the, the literal horizontal and vertical landscape of Fantasyland and how different it's going to be. Uh, I am very, very excited for what's going to come. I'm looking forward at, at the very minimum, not just to the restaurants, of course, but to the visual elements and how the sight lines are very much going to change in Fantasyland. So uh, I, I'm looking forward to hopefully it's going to be early as opposed to late spring 2012 mm -hmm. when we start seeing this open. That'd be great. So our friend Fiona from the UK says, Lou, I've been to the U to Walt Disney World from the UK 11 times now and discovered on your show, which is wonderful for tips, knowledge, and ideas for my family vacations there. I hope you can help me with this idea that I have. I want to take my friends on a pre-college trip to Walt Disney World in 2012. What would be the best time of year to go for less queues? And would it be affordable for high school grads to travel to and stay at the resort? Love the show. Thanks for your help. God save the queen, Fiona. <laughs> well, obviously, the best time for the fewer crowds are the official value season dates, which tend to be January to early February, late August into September. Um, and you also see the best hotel room rates during that time, too, because it's low season, meaning that uh, it's not as 
is in demand of a time to go. September can be a little dicey in terms of weather just because it's extremely hot still at that time and nice and humid still before it turns in October. So that January to early February, as long as you're uh, avoiding the marathon season and avoiding any, um, any holidays that are happening in that time period are really good targets Fiona, I, I, uh, I'm going to disagree with my esteemed colleague. First of all, it's never hot and humid in Florida. Come anytime. Wow. You'll love the weather. <laughs> um, and that's my answer. Come anytime. Come any Anytime is a good time. But yeah, you obviously certainly for the less cues and for the, uh, for the value season, certainly the way to go. No heat and humidity in Florida. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you were just, you, you got to experience the Seattle summer not too long ago. So I'm sweating as on. I say that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Becca, we have another Disney Cruise Line question. And this one comes from Marco Longo. who said, hey, Lou, I was wondering if the Disney cruise ships will ever leave from New York ports. Because it would be nice to take a Disney cruise from New York to Florida and then stay at the Disney resorts, then take the ship back to New York response is greatly appreciated thanks for your time marco longo becky i i I sense you saying marco i've got some good news and bad news for you yeah that that is that the theme of today by the way the good news bad news thing i bring the good news you deliver the bad news (laughs) wow and there was no discussion there you just you just kind of uh, yeah okay anyway yeah the Disney Magic is scheduled to begin sailing from New York in June of 2012 is when it's going to start. And that's great news for a lot of people who have been waiting for Disney ship out of the New York uh, ports. Of course, the bad news is, is it doesn't go to Florida and stop there so you can get off and stay in the resorts and then come back up for any, any period of time anyway. But the great news is they have a two-night cruise to nowhere, which is out of New York, which is in June, July, and August. They have three sailings. It is just get on the ship and enjoy for two nights. That's a great option, especially for people who've kind of been kind of iffy about a cruise um, experience. So that's going to be a a great option for them. There's also eight-night sailings from New York to the Bahamas. That does stop at Nassau and Castaway Key and, oh, yes, Port Canaveral for a day. And they're going to run those from late May into late August, uh, various sailings. Um, going out for the eight nights. And then alternatively, there's also five night sailings from New York to go to Canada. And that's going to stop in Halifax, Nova Scotia, uh, and St. John. Um, And that's also running in that June to mid-September of 2012. So there are a lot of great cruise options from New York City, just not one that's one way. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to answer the question that someone who's either creative or crazy is probably thinking who's going to say, well, wait a minute, Becky, I'll take the cruise from New York to the Bahamas, get off the ship, get on a different Disney cruise, take that back to Port Canaveral, go to Walt Disney World, take that cruise back to the Bahamas and from the Bahamas up to New York or eventually to Canada. No. <laughs> <laughs> I know you couldn't do it, but it sounded fun in theory. Yeah, so. it sure does sound like a great time. But a better thing would be just to go to Disney World, have a great Disney experience, go to and do land. If you want to do a land cruise scenario, jump on the Disney Dream and go to the Bahamas. Otherwise, if you are wanting to sail out of New York City, take advantage of either this the two-night cruise to nowhere. If you've never done a cruise before and you're kind of curious, there's the eight-night scenario and, of course, five nights up to, to Canada as well, which is going to be a brand-new itinerary. I'm going to tell you that the two-night cruise to nowhere appeals to me so much 
that it is one of the very, very few things that I would potentially miss about being in New Jersey. The two-night cruise to nowhere, pork roll, egg, and cheese, really good pizza and bagels and White Castle and maybe giant football games. And that's it. And that's it. There so you go. it's on a very, very short list. Uh, and I'm looking forward to when those start going, hearing people's experiences on the two nights to nowhere. It's going to be great. It's going to be, again, a wonderful way for people to experience it without investing the, the time and the money on a seven-night sailing to experience a cruise. All right. So continuing with the good news and bad news questions, Tom in Minnesota has a question going back to uh, really what's at the heart of Walt Disney World, which is food and drink. He says, hey, Lou, if you buy coffee at the Main Street Bakery or anywhere on Main Street USA, and if you save your receipt, can you get free refills for the whole day? What about in any of the other parks? If this is true, if I buy coffee at the Main Street Bakery, can I get refills anywhere or do I have to go back there? I know Disney coffee isn't the best, but when you need a cup, you need one, he says. The only reason I ask you is last year in Disneyland, we were able to do this on Main Street every morning, then return later in the day a couple of times twice in a day and got free refills on the coffee by showing our receipt for that day. Tom, I did not know that. And in, in terms of delegation, you get to give the bad news this time. I will, however, <laughs> say that, yeah, he's right. In, in Disneyland, you can get a cup of coffee, it, save your receipt. And if you buy it at the Blue Ribbon Bakery, I think, which is on Main Street, you can get refills, free refills for the rest of the day. So that is something that is exclusive to Disneyland. So delegation, you give bad news. So I'm going to give you bad news, Tom, and I'm going to give you good news, too. So I'm actually going to give you a, a bunch of bad news, and I'm going to give you good So the, the first <laughs> thing of bad news is... Uh, and I am Becky. I'm not a coffee snob. Uh, you know, if I could take my caffeine intravenously, I would. Um, you're right about the coffee. You know, maybe Nescafe, not the best coffee. Dunkin' Donuts. You have a huge sponsorship opportunity. Come on in. Open up a <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts. Just saying. Yeah. Not a Starbucks guy. Um, but unfortunately, if you buy coffee at Main Street or in the parks or anywhere, insert asterisk here, you cannot go back with your receipt and get a refill later in the day. However. There's always good news. There's always a, a silver lining, light at the end of the tunnel, pots of gold at the end of the rainbow. You get the euphemism. You can, if you are staying at a Walt Disney World resort, as well you should, the resorts have refillable mugs uh, in their food courts. They run about $13.99 plus tax, and they allow you to get free refills at your hotel for the duration of your stay. So coffee, soda, iced tea, hot chocolate, any sort of the beverage dispenser drinks you can get. Again, big caveat, at your hotel for the duration of your stay. So that $14 mug you cannot bring back two years later, saddle up to you know the mile-long bar if we're still there in Frontierland and ask <laughs> to have a refill on coffee. So a little bit of bad news, a la Becky Mankin, lots of good news from Lou Mangiello. Wow, and you realize that you just kind of killed off your possible Starbucks um, endorsement, right? <laughs> just saying. Starbucks, give me a call. Give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> and then you will retract what you just said earlier. I don't even right, know how on. to order from Starbucks. I need a mocha, frappe, latte, chai, vent. I just want a medium coffee. Just give me a medium coffee with milk. Skinny. Whatever. Skinny. I've never been called Three skinny. Anyway, Robert from Chattanooga, Tennessee said, Lou, on our trip in September, I used your advice to look high and low for details and discovered several. One that stood out to me was the kitchen set at the Carousel of Progress. On the baseboards near the table are several scuff marks. Robert, I love this email. At first, I was surprised that Disney overlooked it during a refurb. But after focusing on it just a moment longer, 
it occurred to me that it's yet another small detail that is, in fact, very much indicative of the Imagineers. Of course, there's going to be scuff marks on the baseboard as the family slides in and out of the seat. Love it. Great observation, Robert. Now for my question. In episode number 195, you discussed what attractions you'd like to see again and also discussed Captain EO, and it made me wonder if you could temporarily replace any attraction or ride with a more current theme while using the same building, track, or stage, what would it be? Peter Pan is my family's favorite attraction, and I'd never really want it to happen, but imagine using the same system to temporarily house a ride based on the movie Up. What temporary or even permanent replacements would you like to see? Thanks for what you do, Robert in Chattanooga. Robert, again, I I applaud your observation of those kind of details and how Disney makes sure things are weathered and looked the way they're supposed to be for that time period. But you ask a very, very intriguing question. If you could temporarily replace an attraction or ride with a more current theme using the same building, track, or stage, what would it be? So, Becky, I think he's not saying which attraction would you sort of refresh. You know, you wouldn't update Peter Pan to uh, new scenes. What would Using that ride system, what would you replace it and update it to be? And how long is this podcast going to be so we can think this one through? <laughs> there's, 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 wow. Oh, okay. The obvious one that immediately snapped to mind, but it's not very creative, unfortunately. But of course, what can I say? I'm, I can't apologize for myself right now. The, the obvious one would be um, updating Soren right. to different locations, you know, over the USA or UK, France or whatever. That I, but that's, that doesn't take it, I think, in as extreme of direction as I could if I had more time to think about this. Um, uh, let's toss that to you for a second, Lou. What do, what do you think off the top of your head? Well, so it's sort of thinking out loud. You know, he doesn't sort of give us any restrictions as yeah. far as time, as far as budget. Uh, certainly, Soren makes the most sense as far as ease of replacing uh, simply just a film and, and sort yeah. of reprogramming the ride system. That, to me, made me think of something like Star Tours. Rather than Star Tours, though, we've got Body Wars sitting empty over at Wonders of Life. Here is a a real-life example, a real-world example, where you could take an existing ride system and easily update it to, and hopefully they will, something a la Star Tours 2, Star Tours 3D. New story, new ride system, enhanced audio, enhanced video. And again, sort of that same concept like Soarin', like Star Tours, quote-unquote, easily upgradable to whatever kind of experience you want it to be. So what's not to say that you couldn't reprogram those simulators to something to the Incredibles, to Toy Story, to Meet the Robinsons, to whatever it is that might be. See, I just saw the Incredibles the other day, so this is why I'm still on this. Was that for the first time? No, it's not for the first time. It's like for the 41st time. I love that movie. If you had some sort of ride through a simulator that you could experience – the different, ser- the different superhero powers. That would be so cool. So you could meet other heroes that were within that time space. Kind of a la, and I, I don't want to compare it to Spider-Man Ride, but I'm going to anyway. But I, don't if you even, had, I don't even know you anymore. I know. Oh, we got to talk about that. That's another thing. All right, that's, that's a whole other thing to talk about later on. But to, to be able to go from scene to scene and experience those different superhero powers, that would be really cool. Yeah, and I think it, it affords you... 
Uh, and I think when we talked about the Wonders of Life Pavilion and sort of were thinking about the future of that pavilion and that that attraction space, you do have the opportunity to, it doesn't have, just because it's a motion simulator vehicle, it doesn't have to be something like a Body Wars or like a Star Tours that maybe some people say, you know, it's not for me. I don't like the speed. I don't like being jostled around. You can still yeah. get a relatively slow moving or smooth ride through a space, through something sort of Omnimover on steroids, as it were, uh, right. where you can kind of direct what you are seeing without it being something that is a thrill ride per se. That's true, which, which is why I love his example of Peter Pan all up because you're already you know floating up there and it's going slowly and, and it could appeal to all ages and, and that really is a, a great example. Yeah, and so this is where, this is a perfect example of where when I do the email segments with you, I like tossing the questions out to the audience. I want yeah. them to say, you know, come out to the comment section, go to this week's podcast at www.radio.com, click on the link for this week's show. At the bottom, you'll see where you can leave comments. So I want you to comment and answer the question. If you could temporarily, again, you're not taking away an existing attraction, but temporarily replace it with a more current theme while using the same building, track, or stage, it could be a show, what would it be? So you've got all four parks to work with. Um, even take Disneyland if you prefer. You know, use some of what's out in Disneyland. And I would love to hear how creative uh, and inventive the audience could be and yeah. what they would like to see as far as either theme or uh, a film, a film reference, whatever it might be. I love that question. Robert, good favorite email of the day favorite email <laughs> so far there you go all right so uh riley sends the question from the official ww radio iphone app which is free by the way over at itunes please come by download rate and review it and riley says hey lou and becky i listen to your show religiously and hope you can answer a quick question i'm going to walt disney world this summer my parents i'm 13 will have just been married and I'm, con and I'm considering this their honeymoon sort of thing. So I decided to do something special for them and book a dinner at Artist Point just for them. Riley, I love mm. that. Oh, see, teenagers love teenagers, except when my daughter becomes one. Anyway, so <laughs> I decided to uh, now me and my sister will be 12 and 14 at the time of travel and don't really want to go to one of the kid care things, but are wondering if we can stay in the parks by ourselves. And if we were to do that, could we order food by ourselves, say like Cinderella's table or even a quick service? I hope you answer this question. It's food, and I know how much you guys like that. <laughs> Thanks again. Riley, uh, I think this is so nice. It's such a great gesture of you to think about your parents, knowing that they are sharing their honeymoon with you and give them the opportunity for one of those nice, special, romantic dinners. Artist Point is a great choice. And what that affords you to do, Riley, too, is something like, you know, if it's a surprise for them, say, come on, guys, let's go to uh, Whispering Canyon. Let's go to Wilderness Lodge. And then you let them go to their special dinner. You guys can hop on a boat right from there and head over to the Magic Kingdom. As long as you guys have tickets, you can certainly go to the parks by yourselves. Certainly go and order food. And, yeah, if you have a dining reservation, I don't, I don't see why you couldn't go and eat by yourselves. Uh, mm -hmm. Becky, when I was... <clears throat> much, much younger in the 70s. My parents would take me to Walt Disney World and I would either go with my brother or a friend. And 
We'd stay at the Contemporary because there wasn't very many other places to stay other than the Polynesian or Fort Wilderness. But they would <laughs> let me get on the monorail by myself with my friend or with my brother and go to the Magic Kingdom or wander the Contemporary because really, where could you go? You couldn't really get very lost. Uh, you know, we didn't have access to a car or anything. And there is still that trust factor, knowing that while I probably wouldn't let my 12 or 14-year-old go off on their own, again, overprotective parent, in Walt Disney World, I certainly would. Yeah, it, you do kind of have that more sense of security with your kids at, at Disney World with um, the, the familiar locations and the security. And uh, I think it really does depend on on the kids, obviously. The parents are going to know if, if their kids are going to be okay to go uh, running around by themselves at that age. Sounds like... You know, you and your brother had a good time, and that explains a lot. <laughs> Wait a minute, <laughs> I'm, gonna get, I'm gonna get so in trouble for that one. It was, it was, it was kind of you know subtle. It was a subtle, subtle dig. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, <laughs> but I think, like you said, it's a wonderful gesture to allow them some time by themselves. And, and like you said, Artist Point is a great choice. Yeah, and if it helps, in case your parents do want to put you in the kids' clubs, the maximum age is 12, so you can't. So there you go. <laughs> but you know There's what? Decision. Can, but look at it. They can go, the parents can go to Artist Point. They can have a great time at Wilderness Lodge. They mm-hmm. can go to Whispering Canyon or eat at Roaring Forks. They can walk around. They can talk to some of the cast members there. They can go check out the Carrollwood Room over at. Um, the, the Villas of Wilderness Lodge, they can go down by the marina, they can see the geyser. There's a lot to do and walk around there and enjoy while their parents have a couple of hours uh, for dinner by themselves. Agreed. There you go. So Paul says, hey, Lou, first of all, I want to compliment you on your podcast. I bought the two. I thought the two podcasts about Main Street were great. You and Jim Corcus did a great job. Hope you do more of that type of show for the other lands. Paul, I promise we will. I must admit... I am one of those people that just walked by and didn't smell the roses, but now that's going to change, and I will start looking around. On another another note, <clears throat> excuse me, October 1st is the 40th anniversary of Walt Disney World opening. Do you know if Walt Disney World is planning any special events or happenings during the year? Are they waiting until October 1st, or is nothing happening? I'm asking because my wife and I are going to cruise Alaska on the Disney Wonder this summer. That makes me smile and would hate to miss the anniversary. If they are having something special, we may have to plan a second vacation. Please let me know and keep up the good work, Paul. Uh, Paul, thank you. I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying the show. I'm help, I'm glad that it's helping you enjoy and, and appreciate the parks more. Uh, as for October 1st, 2011, I smiled as I read this because as the time of, of us recording this show... There have been no plans officially announced from Disney about the celebration of the 40th anniversary. Um, Speaking totally from myself, just my own speculation, maybe it's a little bit of hope as well. I would have to think, Becky, that Disney will somehow, some way, recognize the 40th anniversary on or about that day. I don't know if they'll do something leading up to it, but Disney themselves will hopefully do something to recognize the anniversary of Walt Disney World on October 1st. I have to agree with that, especially seeing the amount of merchandise that has been coming out and posted with the 40th anniversary logo wear that's on all T-shirts and all kinds of merchandise, right? So if it's that big of a deal to put it into merchandising, there's got to be some sort of way that they're, they're going to recognize this anniversary. They have to. Uh, I but agree. Like, I agree. But like you said... 
we've not heard anything. It's, it's all rumor and speculation as to when and or where and or if a special event or happening is going to happen. But I guess we just have to wait and see. But Paul, if you're even contemplating or by contemplating, I mean looking for an excuse to plan a second vacation, I'm going to tell you that we collectively, the WW Radio family, will be celebrating the 40th anniversary in our own special way. Yeah. On a very special WW Radio, last year we had a 24-hour live video broadcast and chat uh, from Walt Disney World for no re- reason other than the fact that I was crazy and to do some fundraising for Make-A-Wish. Well, this year, in honor of the 40th anniversary, somehow it came out of my mouth before I really thought it through, but it sounded good in theory, Paul. So starting uh, on October 1st, we are going to do 40 hours live from Walt Disney World. So 40 hours for 40 years of Walt Disney World. What uh, were you thinking? We, I have no idea. It's, again, it sounded good as it bypassed the buffer in between brain and mouth when I said it on the cruise and looked yeah. at you in amazement. But yeah, so we're going to do 40 hours live from Walt Disney World. We're going to broadcast it at WW Radio Live. But if you are down in the parks, we're going to be wandering around. We're going to be hitting uh, a number of different parks, a number of different events. Don't have a final schedule or even a tentative schedule as yet. <laughs> but there is going to be a lot going on. There's food and wine. There's a wine and dine uh, marathon. And of course, I anticipate something for the 40th as well. So you're certainly welcome to join us. Stay tuned to DisneyMeets.com for more information about the 40th as we get closer, as well as Twitter and Facebook. What were we thinking? And by we, you mean <laughs> me just kind of roping you into the yeah. whole 40th. Yeah. You, you, didn't, you didn't notice that when you said that, when it was coming out of your mouth, the entire world kind of slowed down to one of those you know, super slow motion things is I wanted to run and just tackle you across the stage as it was coming out of your mouth, but it didn't work. If you thought your <laughs> face looked funny, you should have seen my wife's. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Deanna. I apologize. And my shrinks. Anyway, Sandra yeah. Adams says, Lou, I have a quick question. Do the cru- a lot of cruisers, do the cruise Good. ships have Wi-Fi? And if so, is it for free or is there a fee? She's a poet. Oh. Didn't know it. We're, we're back to good news, bad news again, right? Um, yes, if the cruise ships, ships do have wireless internet service and it's available in, in most of the staterooms and in various public um, hotspots. The bad news is that it's not free, per se. You can pay per minute or you can pre-purchase one of their plans at various lengths. And they have pay-as-you-go, which at, at this time I think is like 75 cents a minute or right. so. But you can get uh, packages for 50 minutes, 100 minutes, 250 minutes, which brings the per-minute cost down Um for less than seven nights, you can get up to 250 minutes. For seven nights or longer, you can get up to 500 minutes. And I think the 500-minute package brings it down to 30 cents a minute or so. So, yes, it's available to you. If you aren't carrying a laptop, um, you can use on the Magic of the Wonder. They've got the little internet uh, cafe that you can use on the Dream. And I'm assuming mo- most likely on the Fantasy as well. You can actually... Uh, borrow slash rent slash take and I think it's borrow um, laptops from the guest services but you can also uh, that per minute cost can go with smartphones too so whatever your Wi-Fi device is or, or your iPad uh, you can use the same plan on 
Yeah, and by the way, I'm, I'm happy you mentioned the iPad because we are I thought you it. would. Be. <laughs> so, you know but, I, I just want to, I just want to pay a little bit of respect to the old days of the unlimited internet on Disney Cruise Lines. Yeah, yeah, Island. you know, and look, this is a blessing and a curse, as far as I'm concerned. Because yeah, for me, it is. The cruise used to be the 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 place to escape. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember having a girlfriend back home that I'd have to go down to the radio room and they would have to get an operator and it was like $9 a minute and then explaining to my parents why the bill was high. But anyway, um, so now it's, it's a blessing and a curse because you can sort of keep in touch with people at home. Unfortunately, you can keep in touch with work at home as well. Right. Uh, a couple of quick caveats about the internet and getting on board. When you get on board the ship, turn your phone off. So yes. it does not roam. Do not or, get ac- those accidental roaming charges on your phone. Or airplane mode at the very least. Yes, yes. Uh, and so I've heard, Becky, people talk about the Wi-Fi as sometimes being unreliable. Sometimes they couldn't get it. I mean, there are certainly, there are hot spots on the ship where you can get Wi-Fi. I will tell you that when I was on the Dream, uh, I had very good success with the internet, so much so that I was not only able to get on my laptop in my stateroom and get on Skype and call my family at home, but I was able to live broadcast. If you remember, we right. did a live newscast uh, on a Wednesday night from the Dream. We broadcast the sail away party using the wireless internet. I did it on my phone and I did it on my laptop. So we had very good success. I think it's gotten a lot better uh, over the last couple of years. Right, but people do have to keep in mind that this is not high speed. So you do have wireless internet. And while you got really lucky, and we did really well on that one, I think that they had beefed it up a little bit uh, for that time period because they kind of assumed that people would um, be using much more social media uh, to to get um, messages out to their friends and family. I have had very mixed um, experiences on the wonder and the magic. So it, I think it really depends on how many people are, are taking up that pipeline. It's also because you're using a droid. Anyway, Megan Spiritoff wow. asks the next question and she says, Lou, wow. she says, Lou, and I'm um, emphasis added by Megan, huge, huge fan of your show. I look right. forward every week for your new show <laughs> and regularly go back and re-listen to the previous podcast just to relive the magic. I have a quick or what I hope will be quick question for you. My fiance and I are getting married soon and we're looking for some instrumental Disney pieces to play at the ceremony during the seating of guests and possibly the walking of the bridal party. We're leaning more towards a classical sound and want to know if you have some suggestions on where to find this music. I know there is a, dairy, a Disney fairy tale wedding CD, but that seems to be more acoustical than classical. I found a few songs on the internet, mostly YouTube, that are instrumental pieces, but it seems just to be amateur recordings and editing. Some songs we'd like to have is Tale as Old as Time, pretty much anything off Beauty and the Beast with no lyrics, A Whole New World, Colors of the Wind, So This Is Love, Can You Feel the Love Tonight, and so forth. Any helpful hints on finding these classic songs would be graciously appreciated. Again, that's from Megan Spiridoff. Megan, you are asking a question that is certainly... Uh, not unique. A lot of people, myself included, would love to have had or love to have had um, Disney music at their wedding. And you're right, a lot of the music that's out there is unfortunately not instrumental. And uh, you can't. Now, I remember a CD, and I'm going to put a link to it if I can find it in the show notes, to a CD called Just the Music, which had just instrumental tracks. Uh, a lot of the ones I think were very similar or exactly the ones that you were asking for. 
Uh, but I just don't know if that is still commercially available or maybe you have to find uh, an older copy on eBay or some other third party like that. Question. Answer. So did you have Disney music at your wedding? My wife is is probably giving me the googly eyes on her car right now. Uh, I'm sure I did. I'm wow, sure. Wow, really? Did. You don't remember? Oh <laughs> Please don't ask me what my what my wedding song is. Um, wow. So, but I'm trying to think of You're other still edit this songs. Out, you? No, not at all. It's going in just the way it is. Uh, there have been Megan a, a number of albums, which again I don't know what is commercially available. I think iTunes is right. probably your first bet right now but again you you and you will find some albums that have been produced by Disney some by third parties uh actually I know that Dave Rashoni uh who's a friend of the who can, who created the WWE theme song and the intro songs for the audio guides actually just released his own CD called Sketches which has a lot of uh instrumentals you can go uh, see if anything on there appeals to you that is at djrmusic.com but I'm trying to think, Becky, of some of the other ones. I know there was the the five CD set called uh, Classic Disney, 60 Years of Musical Magic. But those are really from the actual ones from the um, from the films themselves. Uh, the Four Parks, One World is all attraction music. Um, boy, I can't think of anything. I think that the Just the Music is probably the best place to look. See if you can find that. Again, I'll try and put a link in the show notes or checking out uh, iTunes as well. Cricket, cricket, cricket. <laughs> I Great. Whole new world. You were a big help in that one. So let's move on to David's <laughs> questions from Memphis, Tennessee. I was, I was thinking about my wedding. I had a whole bunch of those songs in my wedding. Did move you? On. Yes, I did. A whole new world. So this, uh, no, can you feel the love tonight? Okay. Um, David says, <laughs> <laughs> my family, thanks for the trip down memory lane. My family really yeah, enjoys welcome. the Kim Possible World Showcase Adventure at Epcot Center every time we visit Walt Disney World. Do you think this attraction of sorts would ever be modified to use Phineas and Ferb characters? Dr. Heinz Doofenshmirtz of DEI and Agent P would seem to be natural fits as villain and hero for the various adventures. Have you heard any rumors of this attraction being updated? Please know that the time and effort you put into WW Radio are very much appreciated. Uh, thanks again, David from Memphis, Tennessee. David, that's a great idea. You know, we've been talking uh, on this and previous email segments about updating and changing attractions, how we would sort of maybe uh, modernize them temporarily or even permanently. And I love the Kim Possible World Showcase Adventure, and actually we're going to have a full segment about Kim Possible on the show. But Becky, uh, for a lot of people, uh, it becomes sort of the relevance again. You know, Kim Possible, I don't believe, has any had any new episodes on the Disney Channel at some time, while... Phineas and Ferb is incredibly popular, both uh, on TV and video games and in the parks as well, as they have meet and greets going on over at the studios. Right, but I think the Kim Possible thing, it's so much of the adventure is tied to the, the things that happen, like the the, Kim, the communicators, right? So there's a lot of pieces that are, are put together for Kim Possible. I, while everything does have to grow and change and be updated, I hope that they don't change it personally. I kind of like that. Well, so my thinking was the same. I, I don't think that they should necessarily replace Kim Possible because yeah. it is saving the world. That was her job was to save the world. That being said, 
that sort of technology, and again, could be modernized with a phone uh, like an iPhone where you have a bigger touch screen. You don't have to use the actual little keypad. And right. You could do that in other parks. You could do it at the resorts. You, you know, there's lots of ways to sort of implement that technology and different characters, not necessarily replacing Kim Possible, but doing, again, they're doing something very similar to that out at Alani. Who's not to say that they couldn't do a, uh, a Phineas and Ferb Doofenshmirtz adventure at, you know, pick the resort of your choice, Contemporary yeah. or one of the other resorts or multiple resorts as well. Good point. Taking a, a an idea that works and expanding on it. Absolutely. So, um, again, there's an opportunity here if anybody has any suggestions of how or what they would like to see. Again, uh, it's funny. Phineas and Ferb is one of those things that... Uh, I think of things like the Kingdom Keeper series of books aimed at a certain demographic, aimed at the younger set, but seems to appeal to a much wider audience, uh, adults included. So I think a lot of people might like to see a Phineas and Ferb uh, interactive experience like that come to the parks. I guess I have to go watch Phineas and Ferb now. I was going to say, you've never even heard of Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> of course I've heard of Phineas and Ferb. I, I'm, I just I'm haven't throwing, actually I'm, sat I'm, through an entire episode. <laughs> I'm getting a migraine. Anyway, moving on to uh, Auburn, Maine, and a question from Mike. He says, hey, Lou, wondering if you can help me with a question that may involve food. My wife and I and two children, ages 12 and 4, are heading to Walt Disney World along with my parents for nine days to celebrate my son's fourth birthday. We have a fun plan for this day of his birthday, Blizzard Beach in the morning and early afternoon, back to our hotel, Wilderness Lodge, in the late afternoon to ride sea racers, dinner at Whispering Canyon Cafe, then an Illuminations cruise to top off the evening. Your son and the rest of his family are lucky, lucky people. That is a great way to spend the day, again, completely outside cool. the parks. Yeah, Great experiences outside fun. the parks. So originally, we had booked Breathless 2, but got an unfortunate call that it would be out of service indefinitely. Disney rebooked us on a pontoon boat in its place. After watching video of you tooling around on Breathless 2, we were a little disappointed not being able to experience it. But the pontoon boat offered a different possibility, more food on board. So here's my question. I'd love to top off our evening with a kitchen sink at Beaches and Cream after Illuminations, but worry that this may take too long for our four-year-old. Is it possible to arrange a kitchen sink to be served on our boat during an Illuminations cruise? Might be a challenge in the Florida heat. If this doesn't work, what other food ideas would you suggest to plus up the boat ride experience for our group? Love the show. Look forward to it every week. Keep up the great work. Again, that's Mike from Auburn, Maine. Mike, I love this question. I love how you're celebrating your son's birthday, and I love the outside-the-box thinking. I love the kitchen sink on the pontoon boat thinking. Again, here's a good news, bad news um, answer for yeah. you. Uh, Becky wanting to crush the dreams of your small child is going to tell you that you cannot get a kitchen oh. sink delivered <laughs> to your pontoon boat. Um, but Putting that one in my lap, why absolutely. don't you? But you're right. You're right. You you cannot take a kitchen sink out onto a pontoon boat. I, I think if it, it would be soup, formerly known as ice cream. And... Wow, what a and, mess that could be. And you can't, well, unfortunately, you can't get a kitchen sink to go. Uh, you right. can't get it from the walk-up counter, and they can't really sort of box it up. <laughs> to. Uh, yeah, that's, that's an in, indoor experience, I think. <laughs> in beaches and cream experience. However, there's always the spin 
Obviously, the pontoon boats themselves have a variety of snacks like chips and sodas and so forth. But you can also work with them to provide other food options because you can order things through private dining at the resort. So if you're doing an illuminations cruise, you can order through private dining um, from the Yacht Club and the Beach Club to have other things brought onto the boat. Yeah, I did a, uh, a Wishes pontoon boat crew years ago. My publisher took us out um, a, a number of years ago and got a phenomenal cake um, <laughs> that was just delicious. And they, they had champagne and hot chocolate. It was you know wintertime. Um, so you can do those kind of things. You can certainly add it on. Uh, the other alternative, too, is to try and get the four-year-old to nap earlier in the yeah. day. This way you wake them up after illuminations. Come on, kids. We're going for ice. Listen, what four-year-old isn't going to wake up for ice cream? Oh, so, no doubt. There you go. But uh, yeah, yeah, you have a lot, of, uh, a lot of different options. And for a family, the way you want to experience that birthday, I actually think the pontoon boat is a better option. I think things happen for a reason for you. And that's a better, more enjoyable, more comfortable option for everybody because you can sit sort of next to each other and across from each other as opposed to sitting in breathless where it's, you know, three in, in the front and then two in the next couple of seats. So uh, I think you're really, really going to enjoy uh, the pontoon boat and the view of illuminations you guys get. I agree. There you go. So Joe says, hey, Lou, and possibly Becky, love the show. I have a quick question for you, too. I'm going to Disney World soon, and it'll be my first time that I've been doing it there since I turned 21. I've heard you talk about jelly rolls a lot once again, Lou smiles, but I was wondering what the age <laughs> of the crowd usually is. Is there any bar-like club atmosphere since Pleasure Island is closed that has a younger crowd in their 20s, perhaps ESPN Zone, anywhere in downtown Disney or any of the other resorts? What are your suggestions? Uh, my suggestion, Joe, is that both you and Becky Mankin from MEI and Mouse Fan Travel need to experience uh, Jelly Rolls for the going. first time. Come You've been on, promising people. that for so long. Hello? I, uh, I, once again, Becky, I, I just, I shake my head in disbelief <laughs> because you should definitely, it, it is one of the great ways for people who are over 21 to enjoy the nightlife. And there is a great deal of nightlife at Walt Disney World. So Jelly Rolls is obviously on the boardwalk. It is a sing-along dueling piano bar. The piano players up there are phenomenal. I don't know how they do it, but they know everything. And they play it very well, very, very high energy, lively atmosphere. They get the audience involved. Uh, it is 21 and over. It's no smoking, which is great. Um, and it's, it, the crowd there ranges from 21 and a day up to, you know, 75 because it's not a place where, you know, there's dancing and, you know, you can do shots, but that's not what people are doing there. You're enjoying <laughs> the music and it, it's a great atmosphere. Uh, really, really like Jelly Rolls. You should definitely check it out. Other places um, that Becky, I, I wish that it, I wish it was busier because it's a beautiful venue. But right next door uh, is the right. Atlantic Dance Hall that has no cover. Uh, while Jelly Rolls has a ten dollar cover, um, it is a. It's more of a dance club, and it's a beautiful venue right on the water, and you can go sit outside, and there's great bars and the, the high ceilings, and but unfortunately. For the most part, it's not usually very, very crowded. Uh, certainly during the busier times of year, it does get busier, but it is not sort of the hottest of the hot spots. At right. Night. 
I think someone needs to kind of get on the marketing people for that one because it really is a great venue and there's a lot of great music and it does appeal to to the younger crowd and I would love to you know go spend some time over there and it's uh, it's too bad that it's not full. We're gonna have to have some sort of WW radio event at the Atlantic Dance Hall. Let's do it. The WW four- radio moonwalking meet of the <laughs> something. Anyway. Um, <laughs> A couple of the places you should probably think about too, Joe, is over at Downtown Disney. Obviously, Mannequins and Pleasure Island, as we knew it, uh, are long gone. Raglan Road has a great atmosphere at night, very high energy, live music. They've got the Irish dancers there. You can sit up at the bar if you just want to have a couple of drinks. Um, and again, the crowd there ranges uh, you know, wildly from young people to, um, to older people as well. Another place, oh, I hate to give this away. Uh-oh. I hate to give away my secret location, but I'm going to give it away to you anyway. So, Joe, here's, your, here's, here's my secret night spot that nobody knows about. And it's not in downtown Disney. It's not at Pleasure Island. It's not. Oh, wait. As long as we're in downtown Disney, House of Blues is another great place yeah. to go at night. True. Uh, Bongos. Bongos has live music and dancing Friday and Saturday nights. Alas, the secret location I'm telling you about is actually at a resort. And it might not be the resort you're thinking of. Becky Mankin, you are just dying for me to tell you, aren't you? You have no idea. You're, you're so going to go to karaoke, aren't you? I am not karaoke at <laughs> Kimono's, which I love. They have uh, off the best sushi. Oh, another secret. I, okay. Kimono's, best sushi on property, karaoke yeah. about 930 at night, which I don't do. Although I think I did moonwalk there one night. Anyway. What? <laughs> yes, you did. The place that I'm t- do you have any clue what I'm talking about? I, I don't. I'm afraid. I'm, I'm very afraid. You should not be afraid because uh, if, if that's the kind of entertainment you're looking for, believe it or not, Joe, if you head on over to Disney's Coronado Springs Resort, Rick's Lounge is the secret hotspot. Rick's Lounge has live, it has a, a DJ, it's got a dance floor, very cool, funky, uh, high energy atmosphere while there's still sort of uh, comfortable couches and chairs you can sit off to on the side. There's a few TVs there as well. There's a private room in the back. Secret location, Rick's hmm. Lounge. To see hmm. Becky move it, shake it, celebrate it on the dance floor, that's where you got to go. Oh, you wouldn't that. <laughs> <laughs> no one would want that, really. We'll but I do have, have a, a great video of you on the cruise ship, but that's another story. We, hey, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> I thought we were friends, or at least acquaintances. Anyway, so there you go. That's my <laughs> secret location. Uh, it's it's worth a trip out there if that's what you're looking for. Certainly, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights. Um, but you can also visit their website, and I'll put that link in this week's show notes. So Rob Mayer has a question. Back to food, as if we ever left it. Uh, his question <laughs> is about character dining, and he's thinking of doing Donald's Safari Breakfast formerly known as Breakfastosaurus, over at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Should we do it on a day that has extra magic hours in the morning or on a day that does not? If we do it on a day that has extra magic hours, would we be able to get into the park even earlier than the extra magic hours? Great question. Your thoughts, Rob Meyer, Becky Mankin. Well, breakfast over there is served from 8 o'clock till, what is it, 10 or 10.30? I think it's 10.30, right? Please tell me that I'm right there. And <laughs> if uh, Animal Kingdom generally opens at nine or so, then on extra magic hours, it would be eight if it's the early morning magic hours, right? Right. So I think 
Honestly, if you're trying to avoid the larger crowds, as extra magic hours usually draw the larger crowds, I'd avoid it on extra magic hours. Yeah, and I know they have the character dining entrance all the way to the right-hand side, so right. you can get in there a little bit earlier. Uh, a so few minutes. If, right, so if, you're, you know, if your reservation is for 8 o'clock or 8.10, whatever, they'll let you in a few minutes earlier, but you're not going to let you in at you know, 7.30 or 7 o'clock and have anything else that's open. Yeah. So I would say that it's, it really isn't worth it if you're going to battle the larger crowds from an extra magic hour's day. But remember, Animal Kingdom is not a half-day park. So Robin and his family <laughs> should be spending – that's a whole – that we did – I know, Becky, you don't listen to the show, but somewhere way back in the archives, there's a show about how and why and my way to experience Animal Kingdom not over a half-day, not over a full day, two days. Wait a Animal minute. Kingdom, you might two-day park. You might remember I actually wrote an article for Celebration Magazine. You've heard of that, right? I, I have. It was. I think it was. Late. I think your article was late, as a matter of fact. <laughs> <laughs> like this one is actually. <laughs> Guess what I'm doing after we're done recording. Nice. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It is a, a full day park if you really kind of slow down and enjoy it and take in all the things that are available to take in in the park. Absolutely, uh, and I love that breakfast. By the way, I love that breakfast too. So. Um, Harry Lebro, actually, the one I really love is Tusker House. Going to oh, Tusker House? yes. That's the one I really love. Great food there. Dare I say, better than Boma. Anyway, moving Ooh. on. Yeah, listen. Ooh. I throw it out there. See, there, out. we got to start doing restaurant comparisons. That's, that's the next thing. We got to start doing restaurant as comparisons. As long as they're sponsored by Mouse Fan Travel, I am all over it, sister. I'm, hey, I'm on it. You've that seen works. me eat. It's, okay it's not a that. pretty sight. Anyway, Henry Lebro. <laughs> oh, Just saying God. sushi. Oh, mama. Plate of pile of sushi gone in 2.3 <laughs> seconds. Go. My first of third. My first of three. Um, <laughs> Henry Lebeau, Lebro says, my wife and I are staying at Port Orleans Riverside and was wondering what episode number of the podcast was dedicated to that resort. They've stayed at various resorts, but not Riverside. And they're also looking for hints at what the best possible room locations would be to request. Uh, Harry, I actually did a segment back on show number 97 with Andre, who runs portorleans.org, really did an in-depth look at the resort, the history of the resort, uh, the, the story that there's an overriding story. And we talk about everything speaking at Walt Disney World. There is a great backstory that has unfortunately been lost uh, over at Port Orleans which we did cover in that episode. We also have an article about Port Orleans, uh, the entire resort, in issue four of Celebrations Magazine. You can get those back issues at celebrationspress.com. And as far as the best possible room locations to request, again, it sort of goes on what you like, what you feel it's important to be close to be. Uh, my favorite place in Riverside is, I, I love, well, remember, Riverside has two sets of rooms. There's Magnolia Bend and there's Alligator Bayou. Alligator Bayou, I like to be in building 14 because you are close to uh, the Sasagula. You're also close to the main house with the food court, the shopping and the lobby and the marina right there. Uh, in Magnolia Bend, I like being uh, usually either in the Magnolia or the Oak Building because they are close to the pools and they're also close to the bridges over to Old Man Island and the bridge back to, again, if you need to take uh, the bus or anything, you can uh, you can go right to the South Depot right by the main lobby. Uh, scary, we agree. Oh my <laughs> I know. Imagine that. It's uh, the whole Magnolia Terrace building is, is actually my favorite just because of the easy access to the main building. And I, I do kind of... Um, 
tend towards the men buildings. I really do like that whole style. Uh, plus, back over in that corner, it's a little bit more quiet at night and it has a different atmosphere than the Alligator Bayou area. Um, but of course, remember too, in 2012, we also have the new Royal Rooms. Yeah. That are coming online for Port Orleans Riverside, which those were amazing when we had a chance to see those. So it's definitely my favorite of the moderate resorts. Yeah, it is mine as well. And the one thing about that's interesting about Riverside, Becky, is it's much like Port Orleans itself with French Quarter and Riverside. Port Orleans Riverside is almost like two separate resorts because the, the theming of these antebellum mansions versus Alligator Bayou are so very different. And there are certain places, especially in Alligator Bayou, and I'm really starting to tend towards a first-floor room in Alligator Bayou right by uh, the Sasagula where you get that sense a la Wilderness Lodge that you are transported somewhere else. You are somewhere in kind of that that deep south, you know, uh, Louisiana kind of thing. Not deep south as in Naples, Florida, because that's not really the south, but deep south as in Florida because you've got <laughs> – a lot of greenery. You've got a lot of, of large trees. You've got the river right there. And it's a, a very much, even the theming of the rooms, it's sort of that transportation to somewhere else because you've got sort of that, uh, you know, the, the, the logs as, you know, the bedposts and, and the dark woods in there theming-wise, mm-hmm. which I really like. So I'm, I'm tending lately towards uh, Alligator Bayou, first floor, building 14. Okay. I'm I'm going to that building 85, building 90 over on the mansion side. I still really enjoy that a little bit more, just from my personal taste. But the other thing about Riverside that I do enjoy is that it's got a, a table service restaurant as yes. well, which is not something you see at, at uh, most of the moderate resorts. So that's a plus there. Yes, I, I agree. Whole, and that's unfortunately the one thing that's missing over at French Quarter is that you don't have that, that sit-down restaurant there. Right, right. I but they have beignets. I do. I, I dig boat rights. I do dig boat rights. Yeah, I do. I do too. And plus, you've got the um, uh, the water taxi that takes you over to downtown Disney from that location too, from bo- either of the Port Orleans resorts. So that's a plus being at that location for moderate. Plus, you got you can go fishing. You got Old Man Island. It, I, I really like. Uh, I really like Port Orleans. So <sighs> I got to go back there again too. Absolutely. And speaking <laughs> of going, we got to go. Um, really? We unfortunately, Did it go that fast? We have gone that fast. And, and uh, as you know, we have many more emails we still need to get to. But we will do it. And I will have you back on the show because you are going to take me to many delicious and expensive dinners at the Walt Disney World Resort, <laughs> including Boatwright's Dining Hall. But as always, Becky Mankin, um, if listeners are thinking about booking a trip to Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, Adventures by Disney, uh anything else they can go and talk to you or one of your wonderful agents over at mousefantravel.com and as always my friend i enjoy and appreciate you coming on the show oh well thank you so much for having me and i guess we'll see you at jelly rolls these shots are sponsored by mei and mouse <laughs> that's it yep or is it the dance the dance hall atlantic dance hall this moonwalk is sponsored by lumangelo.com is there something besides a moonwalk, though? I mean, come on. Let's, it, is, it is like 2011. This breakdancing Dude. segment is sponsored by <laughs> Lumangelo.com. I just said 2011, not, uh, not 1992. These Cavaricis and parachute pants <laughs> are sponsored by Lumangelo.com. Dancing with the Stars at... Mama Say, Mama Sa, Mama Yeah.
that's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks so much for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. Please come by the website at wdwradio.com and comment on this week's show. Visit the podcast section. Click on the show notes for number 235. Weigh in on some of our questions or some of the topics we covered. Let us know your opinion on some of our answers or some suggestions of your own. You can also call the voicemail anytime, toll free at 888-703-2171 or email me directly at lou at wdwradio.com. While you're on the website, be sure and explore all the different ways that you can get some of the magic of Walt Disney World anytime, anywhere. I've got the audio tours of the Magic Kingdom on CD or download, trivia books, iPhone apps, including the Disney World trivia app, and the free WDW radio app. We also have the entire archive of the podcast there, so you can go listen to any episode you may have missed going all the way back to episode one. A lot of them are evergreen, including the interviews and the vacation planning tips and the reviews. There's also daily blog posts, new contests, a lot of new contributors to the blog, photo galleries, videos. I'm going to try to release some new ones in the next couple of weeks, I promise. Also, don't forget that in addition to the podcast, join us every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for our live weekly video broadcast and chat on the WDW Newscast. You can visit it at wdwnewscast.com. There we'll talk about this week's Walt Disney World news and discuss it real time in the chat so it gives you an opportunity to be part of the conversation and the show. And if you can't make it live, that's okay. You can watch the video on YouTube or on the WDW Radio blog where you can comment there. You can also catch the audio in the iTunes feed as well. So please come by and subscribe to the show over in iTunes. Also, I want you to come by and join the community. Meet other Disney fans on our discussion forums or in person at the Meets of the Month and other events like the WDW Radio Cruise on the Disney Dream in November 2012. And in just a few days, I want you to please, if you're out there, come by our booth over at the D23 Expo. We'll be over at the Collectors Forum. And if you can't make it out there, we're going to bring the Expo to you during our full live coverage from our booth and the Expo floor. You can watch and chat during all three days over at d23expolive.com. Be sure and follow me over on Twitter. I'm at Lou Mangiello. And join the Facebook page at facebook.com slash wdwradio. Visit loumangello.com to find out a little bit more about me, some of the other things I'm involved in, including private tours of Walt Disney World, speaking opportunities, our charity work with the Dream Team Project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation, and lots more. Speaking of the expo, real quick, if you are going to come by, be sure and say hi to the rest of the team from Celebrations Magazine. Tim Foster's going to be there. Jessica's going to be there. we got some exciting news coming very, very soon. And also, we're going to be sharing the booth with our friends from Mouse Fan Travel, Becky Mankin. Her team is going to be there. They are, as you know, not only great friends of the show, but they are my recommended travel provider for all your vacation planning needs. So if you're coming out to Walt Disney World or to Disneyland or Adventures by Disney or on the WW Radio Cruise, she and her team of agents give you the best possible prices and discounts, an incredible level of personal service, all at no extra cost to you. Check them out over at mousefantravel.com. When you are coming to Walt Disney World, maybe you want a house, maybe you want something a little bit bigger, uh, a two-bedroom condo, maybe up to a seven-bedroom home with multiple master bedrooms, a complete kitchen, private pools, spa, game rooms, movie rooms, lots more. Check out our friends over at allstarvacationhomes.com. And if you want to stay right in the heart of Walt Disney World, you know I love the Walt Disney World Swan and Dolphin. They've got 17 world-class restaurants, 
I love my Bluzu, my Ilmolino, my Shulas. They've also got the Heavenly Badge, the Mandara Spa, lots of other Disney benefits, and a very good pool, by the way. You can check them out over at swananddolphin.com. And just a quick note for those of you that missed this past week's WDW newscast, which was a little bit different because I didn't get a chance to cover the news, but I did want to talk about some things that were going on for me personally and how they were going to affect you and the show. Because as of yesterday, literally, I uh, I moved from my home in Naples, Florida, up to the Orlando area to be closer to Walt Disney World and how that affects you in that Part of the reason was for you, because I want to and now will be able to bring you even more content in lots of other ways. There's been some things I've been working on and planning and thinking about for a long time, and now I no longer have to make the three and a half hour drive back and forth. I'm very, very excited for it uh, and what I'm going to be able to do with you and for you and bring to you uh, as a result of the show. I want to thank everybody who was in the newscast and on Twitter and on Facebook who's been so supportive of me and the move uh, and all the things that are going on that way. So again, very, very excited for what is to come in the near and distant future. So definitely stay tuned and thank you all again for all of your support. I have said from the very beginning that whether we have met yet or not, you guys are my friends and you certainly have demonstrated it to me in the past number of weeks. So my sincere thanks to that. But again, because you are my friends, I want you guys to also be as inspired as I have been and to follow your dreams and pursue your own passion. It's never too late to get started. And as always, my friends, if you like the show, and I hope you do, all I ask is that you please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Share the link on Facebook or other discussion forums. Please come by, rate and review the show and the apps over in the iTunes store. So until next time, whether I see you live at the D23 Expo or in the box at D23ExpoLive.com, my sincerest thanks. You guys inspire me each and every week. So thank you again for listening. Have a great week, everybody. See ya. This is Marissa from North Carolina, one half of the dynamic duo in the box known as Crispy 2000. I'm just calling to tell you good luck and congratulations on your big move to Orlando. I just want to let you know that you are an inspiration to uh, all of us every day. You are not only following your dreams, but you are living the dream. So, uh, again, congratulations and best of luck in the new home. And we will be seeing you, if not in Disney soon, then we'll definitely be seeing you in the box. Thanks so much and take care, Lou. Bye. It's Andre from New Jersey. How are you? Um, I just wanted to call about the last show you had, show number 234, about the interview with Stacey. Probably by far one of my favorite shows so far. Not that everything else you do, uh, do is not media gold, but Stacey is one of my all-time favorite people. Uh, just wanted to let you know that brought a real smile to my face. Um, it was very humorous, actually. And, uh, go out for uh, maybe a part-time career and stand up comedy. <laughs> anyway, uh, take care, buddy, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Hi, it's Renee from Fort Collins. It's been a long time since I've gotten to call in. Uh, I actually thought about calling in last week while I was at the Sci-Fi Diner, but I was able to hitch a ride too quickly, so I didn't get a chance. Um, on my way to work now, I have a new job, and it's about an hour away. Um, so one of the really nice things and what I've been looking forward to is the hour-long drive in the morning because I've been finally able to catch up on my WDW radio shows. Um, I got pretty far behind when I was out working in Florida. And so now I'm getting using this time to 
to get a chance to listen to the shows, and it gives me something to look forward to. I'm actually enjoying my morning drive, which is a lot to say because I am not a morning person at all. So um, just wanted to say thank you for everything that you do, and I'll try and be in touch more frequently now. Um, take care. See ya. Hey, Lou, it's Disney World Day from DigitalDisneyWorld.com. Hey, just watched your uh, Wednesday night newscast this week, and I want to be one of the first to congratulate you on moving up to Orlando and truly following your dreams and, and continually being an inspiration to all of us who, uh, who love to listen and, and read the books and uh, check out the apps and everything that you do. Had a chance to meet you at the Meet of the Month uh, back in July, and it was, uh, it was great meeting you and uh, certainly appreciate you putting those meets on to uh, have us all get together and uh, meet everyone else in the, the Disney community. Anyway, congratulations. Keep up the great work, and we'll talk soon. Bye-bye.